they were three ordinary women on what seemed like a simple mission to find a film they liked. One where women got something to do and not just look pretty or be murdered. Which, to be totally honest, has complicated matters a bit. Welcome to Flicking. Yes, it sounds a bit rude. That's the joke. Hello and welcome to Flicking, our monthly look at our favourite films. I am joined this month by Hannah Dunleavy. Hello, I've been to the cinema. She's only allowed one boast, otherwise she gets, (laughs) I don't know, I dock points off your points tally that I've just made up. And I am also joined by Yosra Osman. Hello, I've been to the cinema too. And it's been a very short episode of Flicking. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Yosra, it was your pick this month. What did you have us watching and why do you love it? I had gone for Amy Heckling's 1995 film, Clueless, which I would describe as a witty melange of Jane Austen meets high school teenage rom-com. Alicia Silverstone stars as Stella socialite Cher Horowitz, a local Beverly Hills rich girl blessed with beauty and popularity, along with her best friend Dion, who's played by Stacey Dash. They love fashion, cell phones and romantic arrangements. The friends like to step in with an witty, earnest determination to do good where they see fit. Cher feels compelled to couple up two lonely teachers and the two take sheer joy in transforming new student Ty, played by the late Brittany Murphy, into a fellow fashionista. Complete with Nietzsche by the pool reading ex-stepbrother Josh, who's played by Paul Rudd, and straight-talking father Dan Hedaya, we find a series of fun, witty interactions. And my point for Clueless that I try to tell everybody is it might look like a really silly ridiculous teen film but I like to think it's more of a biting satire I think the script is just hilarious there are so many quippy one-liners that I could just quote I could read them off but this would make the podcast probably quite boring (laughs) and I think that it has really great performances by Alicia Silverstone in particular who whenever she's on screen you just stare at her at least I do it's got that 90s soundtrack it's got that amazing fashion and yeah it is silly but kind of the absurdity in it is knowing that it means to be a bit absurd sometimes so I'm a really big fan of Clueless I actually haven't seen it for about 10 years so I'm quite interested to know Hannah and Mickey when you've both seen it for the first time the last time you saw it for this was and if your opinions have changed between those times that you've seen it or not as the case may be Monday was the first time I saw this. I was um, a bit worried about you, Hannah. I'm not yeah. And I will say, I will say, therefore, I don't think 47 is the ideal age to watch Clueless for the first time. Mickey? I have seen it before. I don't think I saw it when it first came out. My dear friend, Sean, who is probably not who you'd think as Clueless's demographic, he's a little bit older than me and he's a sports writer, but he said, watch Clueless, it's great. So I reckon I probably saw it in the early 2000s. And I own it on DVD, so I've clearly seen it since, because I have it. But I can't remember when the last time I watched it and I finished watching it this morning. In fact, I started it yesterday and finished watching it this morning. Interesting. So I think the term that people tend to think of when you come up with when you think about Clueless is what I say it's iconic as for the reasons I've mentioned it's got you think about the fashion you think about the one-liners you think about the 90s music and in a sense it was probably the first ever 
high school teen rom-com I think I'd ever seen because I first saw it when I was very young maybe younger than I should have been about 10 or so mm-hmm. and I'm watching it again for the first time in ages I started to see references to other teen high school rom-com dramas and how Clueless has actually maybe influenced some of them so it would be just interesting to know what you two think about how it holds up as a teen comedy but also in a sense that it's a little bit different in that it's quite quippy and a bit satirical or I think it is anyway I am going to hold my hands up and say that Clueless is not for me it's not for me age 44 and that has obviously changed because like I say I own it on DVD and I'm also going to disagree with you I think the standout is Brittany Murphy I think she steals Mm. every scene she's in and she's astonishing now there are a couple of things that have definitely changed it for me looking at it from an adult or very adult middle-aged woman's perspective and that is one Brittany Murphy does not need a makeover. Ty turns up and I've seen her described in lots of reviews as an ugly duckling. And I'm like, nope, she is totally confident in her own skin. She has found her personality that she's happy with. And that's what she reverts back to at the end of the film. I guess the second thing is I'm not an Austin fan, so I know it's based on Emma, but I hated Emma. And third, the relationship that crops up between Cher and her stepbrother is icky one, he's her stepbrother. I know that his mum and her dad are now divorced and it was like for five years, but they had for five years a sibling relationship that has kind of carried on. Two, he's quite a lot older than her mm. and she is 15. It changes. They say she's 15, 16 in April and then later she says I'm 16, but I'm not sure of the time frame. Even so, that is quite a big age gap at that age, I think, for her, who is like, she's clearly quite immature in worldly ways, whereas he is not. I think what exacerbates that is that whether or not, I don't know how he's achieved it, whether it's through witchcraft or plastic (laughs) surgery, but Paul Rudd looks exactly the same. And therefore he looks like a full on adult. It looks like yeah. Paul Rudd now, Doesn't like help. romancing a 16-year-old, which is quite yeah. unnerving. His dancing's got better, yeah. though. Just any clip of Paul <laughs> Rudd dancing is joyful. But I've got, I've got to say, I, that isn't me saying that the film is without merit, because I agree there were some lines that absolutely made me honk. I did some laughing out loud. I think the script moves very fast. And I think, given how vapid I found the main characters, I was still a little bit charmed by it. I'm not sure... If maybe it's the nostalgia thing for me because I was really worried watching it again. In fact, I watched it again literally this morning and I was worried because I was like, oh, I haven't seen this since like the early noughties. I'm not sure what I'm going to think because when I first watched it, I loved it and it became a firm favourite of mine. And I do agree, there are some quite problematic things. I know they keep saying ex-stepbrother to make it seem like it's even better because he's Paul Rudd is no longer Alicia Silverstone's stepbrother but it's still a really eerie, he is, eerie though. relationship. He, he hangs out at her house and helps her when yeah. she's in tr- He does stuff that brothers and sisters do. Yeah. And I think I think for me, a case this morning when I was watching it was trying to balance out the stuff that probably hasn't age to me as well with the stuff that I think is really clever about it and you're not an Austin fan I'm a really big Austin fan and I particularly love Emma which is based on so I think that's part of the reason that I'm still very much a fan Mm -hmm. but I can Mm -hmm. I can totally see what you mean there is stuff that really detracts and I, I wanted to think what what you both think watching it now as adults because we're not really the target 
demographic no. for this film <laughs> no. by, by any means. No. Also, I did point out that Ty, when she first turns up at the school, the school that is from the pages of some sort of glossy magazine, but when Ty turns up, I was like, that's how I imagine little Hannah Dunleavy looked and acted. Well, like frizz, frizzy hair and uh, and uh, smoke too much weed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm to right. be honest, it I was... never got that she was unattractive. I never thought no, she no. was watching it either. I think the point is that when they're making her over, they're trying to just get her as part of their little clique that they have and the way they think and the way they yeah. dress. But I didn't get the message of the film to me isn't that that's how she's meant to be. In fact, the, the, for me, what I get from the film is that they all kind of learn from each other a bit a little bit i mean it's still absurd but they do learn from each other a bit and it's not about bringing her into this little cliquey group in the end that's not what was really necessary I yeah think you're right yeah. I, I mean she is just i mean it largely because i was such an enormous fan of king of the hill and Brittany murphy just so utterly brilliant in everything she does that ridiculously raucous laugh She's just so tremendous and had just such a senseless, pointless death. I yeah. mean, she died of basically nothing. She, she died of mould. Although I suppose most people who die young, it's totally pointless. So, yeah, I mean, her being in it did lift it enormously for me. And there are bits in it that are nostalgic in, in a funny sense, like the phones are shit. And the boys' pants, trousers are always <laughs> falling down, which makes me laugh a huge amount because I can remember... I can remember even when I was that age thinking, pull your fucking trousers up, what are you doing? Um, so, yeah, there were bits that made me laugh. I just, I'm not an enormous Austin fan either. And I am, I have like some class based warrior chip on my shoulder. So I always find it very, very difficult to sympathize with lead characters who are exceptionally wealthy, even if they turn out to be not the terrible people they first are. I thought. Oh, wait a minute. I had a thought and I was going to say something then and it's gone. That'll be all the weed, mate. (laughs) (laughs) You said you couldn't take your eyes off her. And actually, I found myself watching it and thinking, now, who is it that she reminds me of? Who is it? 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 And it was it was driving me completely crazy, particularly around the mouth area. I think I think I'm thinking she really reminds me of someone. And I did a little cheer when it popped into my brain that it's Meg Ryan. Is oh. who is, is Silverstone is really who also like. I can't take my eyes off in films too, so oh, really? I, yeah. <laughs> I can see that a little bit. Um. I think what it captures brilliantly, Yosra, and I think it does it so well. And maybe I am just too far removed from that and also had quite a painful like teenage years. I was absolutely not one of the cool kids. But not even one of the uncool cool kids. I was just, you know, just like, oh I don't know whose gang I'm in. But that obsessive nature of teenagers, the fact that they get fixated, that they need this identity, enough to discount anything else that might actually be tickling away at the back of their brain. I think Amy Heckerlin absolutely nails that. And also how that changes, how they are all working out who they are in the world. And, you know, all these things they thought were fixed forever are open to discussion. Yeah, they go on a little bit of a, of a journey, not quite in the sense that you would imagine for this sort of film, but they are, especially Alicia Silverstone, especially Cher, she is kind of discovering things as she goes along. I mean, she starts out trying to be all charitable, even though it's really kind of for her that she's doing these charitable mm. projects. But as time goes on, she's sort of working out that actually it's pretty decent to be a nice person. <laughs> 
from what you've both said, I have a couple of questions. Okay. So talking about the idea of class and the fact that these, well, they are ridiculously wealthy, <laughs> yeah. um, materialistic humans. Do you think the film does enough to satirise that? Because I think that's what Heckling's trying to do here. She's trying to show how ridiculous they are being obsessed with wealth and being so wealthy and that's where some of the the one-liners come in does it do it enough i think where it did it quite well for me was in their attitude to their cars in the fact the sort of the juxtaposition of them driving something that was so expensive but then just smashing into shit and and not understanding. I feel like I've given you sort of the impression that I watched this film like they all were when they accidentally pulled onto the freeway, just like, ah, 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 girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand it. Um, which is that bit is actually funny. But I, yeah, I thought that was quite well done. That sort of, but that's something that always strikes me about the, the contrast with America and here is, you know, I had one friend who had a car. We had to push start it most of the time because it was in such a, a mess. So, yeah. I think so and there are like elements like when that she's at that party and they're all throwing up in the pool there is that juxtaposition of hey this is something that most of us would us three would walk in and go ooh pool and they're just like vomiting into it so yeah I think in parts it did for me I think obviously she's got white privilege like just all over it it's coming out of every orifice every perfectly sweating out yes, of her absolutely <laughs> and there are I do agree there are some lovely little send-ups in the script where she's like feeling some sort of existential crisis and Dion's first thing is oh my god have you got shopper's regret and she's like oh god no it's not that bad and obviously when she's giving to a very made-up disaster down the road from her she's donating her skis and she's like you know they lost everything surely that includes athletic equipment but do you know what when we went to visit back when we were the online magazine and I went to visit those people who were collecting for the people in Calais they were like people are just using this as an excuse to dump their shit on us because they like they told me they had ski gear and they had a scuba suit and they were like these people are living in the jungle in Calais they don't need this shit so actually that's actually a bang on bit of satire because I've later seen it was proven to be true what I'm finding and this is quite interesting talking about it is making me like it more in retrospect you're making me think Yosra of the lines that did stand out to me and the bits that I do think were sorry I literally just worked a bowl of shredded wheat before we did this and I feel like I've got a little bit stuck here oh Oh, I'll be cutting that bit out of the podcast. No one needs to hear that. Um, <laughs> Everybody needs to hear that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, oh, I have time to, to make your... a sandwich. Quick, just ram cereal in there. I didn't mean to laugh at your misfortune. Imagine, Hannah, if you lived in Clueless's world, you'd probably have staff to sort that out for you. Yeah, I would, wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, her, her relationship with her dad is interesting because he isn't quite what you expect him to be mm. he d- I mean obviously he buys her loads of stuff but he doesn't exactly let her get away with murder and actually she has way more concern for his well-being than perhaps I would see in other films she looks after him she kind of yeah. looks after the house and I say obviously it is a house with staff but that's just that life but she yeah. she looks after the house she looks after her dad She's she does care and I think obviously what we see with Cher as she goes on her journey in inverted commas is she taps more into that side of her personality yeah i think the one thing that struck me most as well watching it 
earlier today was that it doesn't really have a plot, which I didn't think of the first time I watched it. It's kind of aimless in what it's doing and what's happening. And I don't think, I, I obviously wouldn't have noticed that when I was 10 years old, but this time watching it, I was just, there were times I was just sort of thinking, I don't really know where they're going with this and what's the point it is very much I think just kind of uh, perhaps heckling is more interested in in exploring the characterization and these putting in those one-liners and and getting a sense of I don't know the ridiculous that comes across but I'm not saying it bugged me but it, it stood out to me a lot more this time when I watched it. But I guess being a teenager is kind of aimless when you look back on it. Mm. Obviously, you've got to get, if you're interested in academia, you want to get grades to get you into different schools and stuff. But the thing about being a teenager is even though nothing is massively important at that point, everything feels so fucking yeah. important that every decision feels epic. And I think she kind of captures that. Yeah. I'd agree. And I think, um, I don't know if, if you've seen any of Heckling's other films like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I have seen she... Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yes. Yeah, I think looking at her as a female director and treating this kind of film, I think there are discussions that the characters have and comments that they make and a little bit more of a sensitivity towards some themes than I might have seen in other teen films I don't know mm. I feel like there's she she adds something a little bit different and I know this is quite an old film now but compared to other films of this nature you know conversations about for example virginity that are normally treated as a big laugh all in some other teen films but actually that some of the things they say here are quite quite striking perhaps that I'm waffling I hope you know I I agree Yosra because quite recently we watched Pretty in Pink and I found every single character in that utterly unredeemable and I don't find every single character in this unredeemable it it bothers me from the perspective of how I was as a teenager I'm not saying this is Heckling's message and I'm not saying it's Cludus's message, but I'm saying it's our message that is in the film from some characters that, you know, Mm. what you look like is important, which I, um, I mean, that's obviously, that's the message society gives teenage girls. And I don't agree with that, obviously. And so to a certain degree, I think I probably would have enjoyed it less if I'd watched it as a youngster because I would have seen it as a, mm-hmm. an indication that if you were 16 and, you know, well, looked like you were into Nirvana, which is essentially what Brittany Murphy looks like in this, that mm-hmm. I would have, you know, gone, oh, for fuck's sake, that's perpetuating a message, even though mm-hmm. it probably mm-hmm. isn't perpetuating that message. Teenage Hannah just would have got the hump about it, if that makes <laughs> sense. Mm-hmm. Does any of that make sense either? I'm just walking Yeah, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. What is also good about Clueless, because obviously it is 26 years old now. Am I right? Is that right, Maths? It's 1995. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's a gay character. And even though Dion's boyfriend's description of him is pretty offensive, mm. it's just accepted that he's gay. She doesn't feel hard done by just like, oh, OK, well, he's my mate now. And he doesn't become the gay best friend, which is a horrible trope. He just becomes a friend in her life, which is really nicely dealt with. Although as a character, he's obnoxious. and I hated him as well, yeah. just for what it's worth. So there's that. It's not all straight. And it's also not, it's predominantly white, but it's not all white. And it's not done as a, ooh, look at us. It's just done as a, this is the world, which I think is quite progressive for its time. I'm not saying it's a progressive film, but that's quite progressive. 
it's not progressive but that that is a good point because it is kind of normalized you have black characters in the film who are very much part of this wealthy socialite group Mm -hmm. which i think for the time actually might be quite abnormal you wouldn't you wouldn't see that so much you see a lot more exclusion where they're perhaps apart from in some cases there perhaps isn't any i'm not saying that excuses a lot of what might be wrong with the film but that was quite a refreshing thing for for me to see so although i guess it's is it about the same time as fresh prince of bel-air yeah i would imagine yeah it will be actually that's a good point i stand corrected (laughs) yeah i know well i've corrected myself as well to be honest yeah yeah so yeah it's a bit of a I, i think this choice i i threw in there because i knew it would be a little bit of a howler compared to some of them but I think it's a really interesting one to discuss yeah, yeah I do while we're on things that wouldn't necessarily stand up in 2021 and I don't agree that that's how you should judge stuff but unfortunately a lot of people do mm-hmm. so FYI if anybody's thinking about running towards clueless having never seen it before there is the word retard is used with absolute abandon in this which it certainly wouldn't they wouldn't get away with um also used in another brilliant film that britney murphy is in which is drop dead gorgeous yeah oh god she's so great um i wish i could do one of those (laughs) things that she that only she can pull off the doorbell rang and i had to go and get a parcel and it was just after she'd fallen down the stairs which meant i rewound it and watched her fall down the stairs again and it was brilliant she does it so well yeah, that actually, that bit's funny where she says she says no one saw, and then the guy comes past and goes, "Are you all right?" That was a terrible thought. That looked like it really hurt. Well done, Yosra, because if nothing else, five points to Yosra. Mickey's keeping score, as you all know. Five points to Yosra for being the first person to actually bother to pick a film directed by a woman. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's my choice next, so I am going to veto that because I am all about the wangs. Yeah, it's te- <laughs> it's just for explanation's sake. It's technically my turn to pick, but because. There are four of four of us pecking and three of us standard issue people in circulation. If I pick, I'm not here next week to talk about it. So Mickey is picking instead. And I decided that I know Yosra loves a musical. I like a musical. This is one of my all-time favourites, hence why I'm picking it for flicking when we talk about our favourite films. But we are going to watch Little Shop of Horrors. Yay! <laughs> That's the kind of response you want. Standard issue for all women.